Welcome to the AMC Stock Story Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Corey, and this is not financial advice, and I am not a financial advisor. This is solely for entertainment purposes, as I talk about my experiences of investing in AMC stock and becoming an AMC ape. Episode 15, Am I Addicted to AMC? So am I an addict? Am I an AMC addict? And that's kind of a tough one to answer, to be honest with you. Because in some ways, I, I think I am. And in some ways, I don't I don't think I am. And it kinds to, not to, um, it's a much more serious subject, but um, if you'll bear with me. But you think if someone has a problem with alcohol, what's the difference between an alcoholic and someone that likes to drink a lot? Um... And where do I fall in that category with AMC stock? So I will freely admit, as far as the AMC stock situation goes, I'm definitely someone that likes to drink a lot. That I push the limits. And um, and I think some of the behavior I've had, you know, gets into that. You know, are you an alcoholic or not? And I'll, I'll give you an example. So, you know, when I started this, um, I... I was all in. I Once I got into it, I was in. I saw this as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to make life-changing money. I felt comfortable enough with the situation that I was willing to make a pretty substantial investment. And I did that. And I don't think my wife was quite convinced as I was. So I, I kept pushing her in the beginning. Um, you know, I would open up a brokerage account. And I would, you know, a lot of these ones you'd get, you know, once you do a a deposit, they would give you instant credit up to a certain point. You know, you'd have to make your deposit, but they would match that. So you could start investing right away. And I had to convince her in the beginning that, um, hey, I opened up one of these accounts, but I'm maxed out on my instant credit. I think this is going to go tomorrow. You need to open up one of these accounts. And she was not happy. Not happy at all. But she ended up reluctantly doing it. And that was the day before AMC went to 72. So she essentially doubled her money in a day. And um, I didn't do I told you so. I just, you know, I was happy that it happened. But then again, I'm glad I didn't do a big dance, victory dance, because it went down. And um, and to her credit, she's been okay on me with that. Hasn't been beating me up or anything. You know, obviously no one's happy that it's down, but it's it's been okay. Now here's the thing. I have also uh, been adding shares when I can. We get a you know we get a paycheck, we get some extra money coming in. Hey, can we you know? squeeze a few more shares in, especially when the price goes low. When it dips down into the 30s, you know, buy the dip, right? And I, you know, I make this, I haven't, uh, you know, a, you know, I don't know if you call it prospectus or not, but I put, I put together a package of what we've invested in different levels that, you know, what the stock is, you know, valued, you know, at this amount, at this amount, you know, if it goes to Five hundred dollars. If it goes to a thousand, this is what our shares, you know, would bring. And you know, I keep updating that, and I and I would show it to her. And I, I think, 
you know, part of her is, is, you know, happy when the stock is up and we've added more shares. But then there's also a part of her that's like, hey, you know, enough is enough. No more buying. No more shares. No more shares. And then I go, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, I would still go buy shares. So that's kind of the behavior. It's like no more drinking. No more drinking. Okay, no, I won't drink. I won't drink. And, you know, you go hide a bottle somewhere so you can have a drink. Um, so that's kind of the behavior of an addict. You know, you're in a relationship, you have a spouse and, um, you know, she says, don't buy any more. And you go, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go and buy some. Now, you know, when I buy some, I don't buy a thousand shares. You, you know, you're talking about one or two shares here and there. Or um, if you have like a extra cash in, in one of your accounts and it's not enough to buy a share, uh, can you, you know, deposit enough um to, you know, be able to buy a share now. And, you know, I've done stuff like that. But I think the other thing was I had a, we got to a certain point with our, our Roth was done. I went all in on my Roth. Um, I converted everything, all the mutual funds, all the stocks that were in there um, into AMC. Now, my that Roth is only, it was only 15% of my retirement. The other 85% of my retirement has not been touched. So, and I wouldn't be able to touch this money anyway in the Roth for for seven years. So if things went south and we had to, you know, we lost half of it in this gambit for whatever reason, um, we'd have seven years to make that money up that we lost, which we probably could if you make some fairly reasonable, you know, more safe investments. Um. So that that part didn't bother me. The thing for us was, you know, if that if AMC hit, we wouldn't be able to touch that money for seven years without paying taxes or pen, and penalties. And so at the time when we got into this, we we had to open up individual investor accounts, and that's when the instant credit was a big deal because we could you know start the transfer, but normally it would take you know five business days. Well, we could get that instant credit and, and start. We could have a stake. And here's the funny thing. Um, I was going to get to this later in the podcast, but I'll, I'll talk about it now. I, I have a saying that life doesn't turn out for the best. You know, or life doesn't happen for the best. Life happens, and it's up to you to make the best out of it. So I want to talk about these hedge funds, you know, that are battling us. They say they're manipulating the stock, driving it down. How dare they? Why isn't the SEC doing something? This is awful. Is it? Is it really? Is it really that bad? Because I want to tell you a story. When I got my job at Disney, one of the happiest moments of my life when I got to work at Disney, the previous 10 years I had worked for a small company that sold videotape and it was a small company and it it um, took its lead from the owner who was kind of a he was an alcoholic marine right you know it's hard, harsh to say an alcoholic he, let me put this way, he drank a lot he liked to drink a lot I won't say he's an alcoholic but he 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 drank a lot very politically incorrect um, uh, but a nice man and he did he did some nice things for me so, but he was who he was, and the and the company, but the company had kind of a harsh edge to it, and had a general manager who was really terrible. 
who who was didn't care about people and and quite frankly was was an awful person to work for and with and I've always regretted I worked there for 10 years and it was awful and I hated it and every day I kept thinking I'm going to sell a script and I'm going to show these guys and for 10 years I failed and ultimately I finally gave up and said enough I threw in the towel and they were tired. They were ready to fire me. I wanted to quit, and we had a mutual parting of the waves. Ways, anyway. So from going to that environment, and this was an industrial park in North Hollywood, California. It was bad. It, it was. It felt like a prison because it was all concrete, right? No, no, barely any vegetation. There were a few bushes by the the where the trash can dumpster was, and next door was a training station for the fire department. So, like, there was this big monolithic tower that they would train in for their, you know, their firefighting skills. But it looked kind of like a prison guard tower, right? This thing that just went straight up right along the wall there. So, for all those years, I kind of felt trapped in prison. Like, all guys, (laughs) you know. And you're, it was a very harsh environment. And I was young. I was in my 20s. and, And I just wasn't confident. I was in a different state i didn't have any family around and um you know a few friends but it was hard to leave there i got sort of institutionalized to being there and i was afraid to leave and i wasn't sure what i could do what skills i had what kind of job i could get and i I liked it because it was kind of mindless and i could write at night and on the weekends but anyway i'm just sort of setting this up so when i got to disney right so i left there and i was like well i don't want to get trapped in another company that i don't like so I'm going to temp for a while. And a lot of my friends had temped, and they ended up with jobs with the studios, Warner Brothers, Disney, what have you. So I signed up with a temp agency, and um, the first real job they sent me to was, was working for Disney. I couldn't believe it. I was so happy. I, I've loved Disney since I was a child, like most people. And I'm actually be going to work at Disney. It was going to be a three-week contract, and I was so excited. So I went in, and, and um, it it worked really hard, and it ended up, I ended up getting the job permanently, and it was awesome. But I always remember when I went in. Um, so I was working at my desk, and then I, the person who did the same job as I did, you know, we were partners, um, and we were alternate days, responsibility, and what have you. Anyway, but we worked together. She trained me, and we worked together. And um, she was this really, she was really great coworker, you know. And um, and to be quite honest, she was a very attractive blonde, right? So for me to go from, you know, being in this prison environment <laughs> with all guys um, that's not very nice to all of a sudden you're at Disney. Um, you have the Disney studio that you walk around in. It's awesome. You, you know, you work for this cool company. And then, you, you know, your coworker is, you know, this really great person that's just, she was just like sunshine. That's why it's funny. Uh, for some reason, when I was there, I did this little cutout of the sun. I don't know where it came from, but I had this little cutout of the sun, and I always saved it because it reminded me of my coworker. Because um, she's very bright, cheerful, you know, disposition, and um, it, it was it was really a pleasure to work with her. But we had another coworker that was okay, you know, not bad as a coworker. Um, but that coworker got promoted to manager of us, and we were kind of equals and then she was promoted um and to be in charge of us and it didn't work out so well it kind of a micromanager 
Um, I think the the only management skills this person had was as a mother. And I'm not trying to take away anything from a mother. But your mother is your mother and your coworker or you know, a manager. That's a different kind of thing. And I don't want to be managed like you're my mother, right? Anyway, and neither did my coworker, the other, the one that I was with. And she was very unhappy. Um, and, and she was so upset with this situation, she ended up leaving Disney. She quit. And you would look at this situation and you would think, well, that was terrible. What a raw deal. You know, this other person was promoted, didn't work out, and now she's quitting. And you say, what, a, what, a, what bad luck. Kind of like the bad luck we're having with hedge funds. Delaying our squeeze. The nerve. The nerve of them. It's awful. Well, here's how awful it was for my coworker. She ended up getting a new job. This time, I think, at a brokerage in Santa Monica. And it was at this job that she met her future husband. And they had um, a beautiful set of twins. And then her husband recently, I guess he did some kind of thing where they took a company, they became public on the stock market somewhere. There's a big announcement, right? So they've done really well. So here's this former coworker that I had that had this bad break, you know, had a manager that she just couldn't work with. And, um, and she left. But look at the turns her life took because of that. Having that other person become the manager was probably the best thing that ever happened to her in her life. It indirectly led to her getting married, to having children, to being married to obviously a very successful husband. And, and they've been married a long time now. So, it, you know, good for her. So now getting back to these hedge funds. Let's go back to late May, early June. I honestly thought I was going by what had happened with GameStop. You know, GameStop went to like 70, then it went to 140, and then the next day it was like 300 and 400, you know. And I literally thought when I got into it, it was around the high 20s, low 30s. And then it doubled, you know, to the, the you know, got as high as 70, but, it, you know, I remember it was being in the 60s. And basically doubled my Roth IRA in a couple of days. And I thought, this is it. And that's when I went out and recruited people. I said, you got to do this. you got to get on the rocket. You know, I don't know anything about this. All I know is if you don't have a seat on the rocket ship when it blasts off, you're not getting on the rocket. And I got a few people to invest in AMC with me. And then, of course, everything, you know, fell apart. At least as far as, you know, it got stalled in the 60s, fell back into the 50s. They really pushed down into the 30s and then, you know, even the 20s. But here's what happened with that. The longer this went on and the cheaper the stock was, I was able to add to our individual investment accounts. Not the Roth IRA. That was done. I, you know, once I had transferred everything, um, I, I just, once I decided to go all in on that, um, just, I just redistributed everything and, and went all in on the Roth because I figured it was seven years away. Why not? We weren't going to feel that money in, in the meantime, so I, and I was comfortable enough going in on that, and that was set, but we would not have seen any of that money for seven years anyway. So the individual account that we had, when we, we scrambled to get our enough shares, because we did not have a ton of cash at that time um, when, when this 
in those first few days of investing when everything doubled, right? But because of the delays, the pushing, the manipulation, driving the price down, we kept getting paychecks. It kept going. It went on for weeks. I mean, we started this in late May. We had all of June, all of July, and some of August now that we were able to add shares. And I won't say exactly how many shares we have, but it's three times the amount we would have had had this thing popped, you know, in that first week of June. So thanks to the hedge funds and their delaying tactics and their manipulation, if this thing pops, and I do think it will pop eventually, don't ask me when, don't ask me how much, but I think the numbers are there that this stock is massively shorted and that's going to have to be accounted for. Whether they there's a conspiracy that gets them out of it and we all get screwed, I that could happen, but I honestly think we'll get paid. I wouldn't be in it if I didn't think that. But because of the delays, we were able to, it's going to be three times what it would have been had it squeezed in that first week of June. So for that, I say to the hedge funds, thank you. Just as my old Disney co-worker should say thank you to that manager. Thanks for being so unpleasant. If you, if you had been a cooler manager, I probably would have stayed, and my life would have been completely different. I don't think she would probably trade her life right now for anything, especially your children, right? Um, so anyway, that just is a, when I say, you know, does life happen for the best, or did, you know, she make decisions? Life happened, and she made decisions, and um, it turned out pretty well for her. So again, getting back to this idea of being an addict, which I'm trying to answer. Um, and I think about like, well, what if this was alcohol? Do I put this ahead of my family? Would I rather, you know, stay home and get drunk or go out and take my kids to the park? Well, I could sit at home and watch the ticker all day, but I don't. However, because of the miracle of cell phones, I can go out with my kids and I can take him to the park, but I'll watch the ticker. I remember when I started this, people saying, oh, well, don't watch the ticker. It'll drive you crazy. I watched the ticker. And in that regard, I think you could say, yeah, you're an addict. Because when that when this stock rips, it is like playing a slot machine and hitting a jackpot. And that feeling you get when that money starts coming to you after you've been playing a slot machine, it's amazing. It's a drug. I mean, you, your brain produces the chemicals that... Um, that you crave and love, and that's why you stick there. You're like a little lab rat. You'll keep losing money, losing money. Boom, when you win it, bang, your brain releases those chemicals, and you love it. And I remember, gosh, when it ripped that first time into the 60s, we had to take our car, and forgive me if I've told this story on the podcast before, we had to take our car in, or we were either taking it in or picking it up, and on the way to the dealership, the, the stock ripped from the 40s to the 60s. And it was incredible. Like, I was in one car, my wife was in another car, and we were, like, calling each other. So it must have been dropping it off if we were on our way to drop it off. And, you know, we're just like, it hit this, it hit this. We are both watching the ticker as we were driving. Um, and it was, it was amazing. You know, those are the early days. And that's when I probably became hooked 
on it. You know, seeing a stock do this. This was not normal. It wasn't normal. In fact, I remember one night it was aftermarket, and I watched the stock jump aftermarket. And that's when I thought, I thought, uh-oh, this thing's getting ready to pop. It's getting ready to blow. And that's when I really went all in. That's when I had opened up, you know, the the other brokerage accounts um, to get to get that instant credit and get going and get some more skin in the game. And it is like playing a slot machine. And and if I do gamble, I'm not a big gambler, but if I do gamble, that's what I do. I play slots. And I know they're the worst odds. Worst odds in the casino slot machines. But it's easy. I don't have to interact with another human being. And it's just simple, you know. So I sit there and I watch the ticker. And when it goes up, I feel great. And when it goes down, I feel bad. And it's funny. I think of uh, Breaking Bad. You know, it's funny. I do a lot of Twitter searches for AMC. And every once in a while, like Walking Dead or Breaking Bad will come up in the searches. But I love the show Breaking Bad. And there's that scene at, at the at the end. And, you know, he always says he's doing it for his family. He's always doing it for his family. And he's talking to his wife probably for the last time. And he starts talking about it again. And she's like, if you say you're doing it for the family, you know, I'll kill you, right, basically. And he says, no, I was doing it for me. I was doing it because it made me feel alive, because I was good at it. And even when the stock goes down, I feel alive. It brings out emotion. I don't like it. I like it when it goes up. But you're engaged. It's engaging your mind. Um, So even when it goes down, I still watch it. Sometimes I turn it off. It's really bad. But I'm at the point now where I know, now that we have these verified shares coming in, for the voting, for the earnings call, and the questions. I know this thing is oversold. It, the, the numbers just don't lie. Unless there's some crazy fluke, that these numbers just don't lie. It's statistical that, you know, this is a tsunami that's coming, and the hedge funds can't stop it. It's a tsunami, and we're on the right side of that wave. So when it goes down, it doesn't bother me as much as it did the first time. But I still, you know, I'll go to the park and I'll watch it. I was with the kids today and, you know, taking them out and we were just walking. And they were, as we were walking, I was watching it because it ripped. That was the thing. I started the last podcast, you know, was it 29.20 when I started the podcast? And then it started to, to go. And then it, it went for the rest of the day. And it ended up, you know... Had like a 12% day. So, and that felt awesome. Even though we have a long way to go. My goodness, we have a long way to go. But that's the direction we need to go to get there. And it feels awesome. These green days, when it goes up, it feels great. And it makes up for a lot of the bad days. But that's part of the addiction. You know, that great feeling I have right now, you know, watching it in the green. And then, you know, that sustains me when it does turn red and, uh, you know, goes downhill. So I think about that. What if I was in the park drinking with my kids? Well, you know, yeah, you'd say maybe that you're maybe you're an alcoholic if you're doing something like that. Um, but uh, who knows? Um, I'll, you know, I also want to talk about like these moments, even when it goes up to sixty. You know, that's nowhere near where we want to sell our stock at. Um, but I kind of think of it as like getting an acceptance letter to the college you want to go to. 
Like, think about all the amazing times you're going to have at college over four years, right? It's going to be amazing, right? But you got to get that acceptance letter first, right? So when it does jump, you know, $3, or when it goes up, you know, from 30 to 60 in a day, even though that's not when we're going to sell everything and have our life-changing money, it's like that acceptance letter. Like, this is it. This is the way. First, you get that letter. Then you let them know you accepted. You send your deposit. You get ready to move. You move into your dorm, and you just start your freshman year. And um, that's kind of the you know how I feel about it. That I know that when we rip a little bit, it's not the end all be all, but it's it's where we need to go. But it's that initial rush of getting that letter and the promise that it delivers. So when you see the stock bounce and make a comeback, even though you know the ticker's probably highly manipulated. It feels great. It feels like getting that acceptance letter in the mail. Like, you're on your way. Let's go. Let's go. And before you know it, you know, you're going to be having amazing times at college. And hopefully that's the way this will be, that these numbers, once it starts going and the shorts start getting covered, it just it just rips. The hundreds, the thousands, the tens of thousands. Who knows? Maybe the hundreds of thousands. You know, it's not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. But that's what people are saying. That's what people are predicting. And that's why a lot of people got into this AMC play. And that's why I got into the AMC play. Um, so, you know, am I addicted in that sense? Or am I just like, hey, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And it's very volatile. So you better pay attention to it. And you better get as familiar with this stock as you can because at some point you're going to have to make a decision when you when are you going to sell do you really trust this thing to go past $100 $500 $1000 $5000 i hear different things from different people some people say it's going to half a million dollars a share a million dollars a share other people say hey $500 $5,000, that's it. That's as high as it's going to go. And um, that's why I keep an eye on the stock as well. It's just a huge investment for us, and I want to make sure I've done all I could at the end of the day so when we do make the decision and, and we do smash that sell button, we're comfortable with those decisions. Um, I do tend to get tunnel vision when I get involved in a project which is kind of like an addiction, kind of like an obsession. But it's funny, I tried to explain it to my wife at times. When I get locked into th- something, like, I got to do it now. I got to do it right away. I got to do it now. I just get locked into it, and I got to do it now. And I'll give you an example. There are times when I get locked in. We, we have a house, and sometimes we paint rooms. And sometimes I'll get locked in, and I could work all night, paint a room, pull an all-nighter, get it done, just get it done. And then we're also trying to paint our living room. But we're having a hard time deciding on a color. So there were colors that I liked that my wife didn't like, and we're trying to find something that we both agree on. So I had started this process, and I was all in. I, was get, I got everything together. I got everything ready to go. We had time getting ready to be put aside for it. But we couldn't decide on the color. We, we'd, we'd gotten sample colors, so we put like, we'd paint the squares, you know, four squares just to see what each color looked like and when it's dry and how, you know, spend a few days with it. 
Yeah, it's been that way for months now in our in our living room. <laughs> and that's the difference. When I get locked in, I get the job done. And when I lose interest, it's going to sit around for months not doing it. Um, it's kind of like a caveman. I think when you're on the hunt and you're trying to kill that, you know, your whatever food you're hunting to, to, to feed your family and your group, you get locked in and you don't stop till you make the kill and you bring that food home. Um, and that's how I am. And that's how I am with the AMC. It's like, look, this is it. You know, this is life-changing money, and I'm going to do everything I can to see this through. And if that means that, you know, I sacrifice a little time with the family or I'm a little obsessed, so be it. So be it. Um, I'm not going to just turn off the ticker. I'm not going to pay attention to it. Well, I'll just set my alerts. If it goes to 50, I'll get a you know message, and I'll check it out. Um, nope, I'm there. I'm watching the ticker. I'm with it. And I know that the hedge funds supposedly have psychologists, you know, helping them out, designing ways to frustrate us. So I know that. So when it goes low, when it gets frustrating, you know, I know that that's what they want us to feel. And um, that's fine. It also brings about a certain um, determination. And again, I know I, I talk a lot about military history in the army, but when I first started this on this thing, I was the I was like the dumb new soldier, ready to go off and like, oh look at you know, I'm, take my picture, you know, I'm a soldier, yeah, yeah, all that. And I and once you've gone through a few things, um, you get a little more you know grounded in reality, and you just want to get this job done. You just want to fight and get home. And um, and that's obviously where I'm at now. Is like I just want this thing to end and uh, get back to my normal life, and we'll do whatever it takes to do that. We got to hold. When it dips down into the twenties, we hold. We don't panic sell. Um. So the the other thing I want to talk about was like, well, what are my limits? I actually set a, a number, even though my wife said don't buy anymore. I had a number in my head, and I said, all right, I want to try to get to this number. It was a nice round number for us. And I said, if I can get there, that'll be it. That'll be it. It won't, I won't have the, uh, the drive to keep increasing it. Hopefully that's the limit. And I got to that limit. And thankfully, because the stock was in the low 30s, it was a lot cheaper getting there than it was before. But I got to that limit, and guess what? I stopped. I added maybe one or two shares here and there for small reasons. If there was leftover money in the account, and I could round up or rounding up a share if we had like a, you know, half a share somewhere, we could add, a, you know, a few bucks to round that share up. And um, so we added just one or two more shares, but after that number. But that's okay. That was it. And I don't have that burning desire to keep adding more. I'd love to, but it just wouldn't be responsible at that point. You know, I could honestly say to my wife, listen, I had a certain number I wanted to get to. I got us there, and that's it. We're done. We're at our number. So unless this thing really gets delayed again and the price goes down back into the 20s, I think I'm done. I think the Roth has been set for a while the shares we have in the Roth, and now our individual accounts, I think we're done there too. You know, if we can keep adding more, maybe we will. But it's not this, before it was this, I got to do it, I got to do it, I got to do it now. That's me, that's my personality. Um, 
So I do get tunnel vision, but I think I'm out of that tunnel now. And um, we didn't go all in. You know, we still have money in our checking. You know, we can go a few months paying our mortgage. You know, we've got a couple months of at least, you know, three months of our mortgage in our checking. God forbid we'd ever need that. You know, we're both working. We both still bring money in. But we didn't go all in. And who knows, maybe if this thing does pop in the next couple of days, you'll say, ugh. You know, we could have put at least two more thousand into it. Oh my God, we could have put two more thousand in when it was down at, you know, 2930, 2920. How many more shares could we have added? But we don't know that. We don't know how long this is going to take. So I did stop at the limit. So that's, you know, when you say, are you an addict? I knew where to stop. A lot of times gambling addicts, they can't help themselves. They just go broke. They lose their money. And then they go get more money. They borrow more money and they lose that. That's an addict. Um, someone that likes to go to the casino, yeah, they go to the casino. Yeah, you lost some money, lost money. You, you get on in life. Um, I've been there. You know, I've been at the casino. I've been on a bad run where it's the victory is when you finally pull yourself away and you say, you're not making this up. Get out and get out now. And as hard as that is, you, you feel like you've won because you were able to walk away without going back into your account and going to the ATM. And it's tough. And other times you get you you leave up. You know you, you hit a nice number, and you say that's it. You know I'll, I'm going to play just a couple more, just a couple more. But we're walking out winners, and you walk out winners, and it feels awesome. So what's the difference? You know, is this an obsession? Is it compulsion? You know, is it smart or is it an addiction? I definitely think it's an obsession right now. I'm all in on this with my time and attention. Obviously, I'm doing a podcast on it. I mean, I enjoy doing podcasting anyway. And I just felt this was a good way to to deal with some of the, you know, my feelings as an investor. And hopefully, you know, it helps out other people. Um, And yes, you know, I was compulsively trying to get to this number, but I got to it. Now, was it smart? Well, it's kind of like, you know, the coach draws up a play and the player goes out and he shoots that last second shot. And when it goes in, he's the greatest coach ever. Genius. And when the shot misses, he's the worst coach. Fire, fire that coach. It could be, you know, centimeters, second, fractions of a second that determine the genius from the idiot that should be fired. So is it smart? Well, if this thing pops and we get life-changing money, even if we double our money, triple our money, then it was smart to do it. If we lose everything, then it was stupid. But I don't think we'll lose everything. I don't I don't think it'll be that bad. Um so at the moment, I would say it's definitely an obsession, and I was compulsive to get to a certain number, and that's going to be a big test for me. Now that that number's met, can I hold off? I'd love to keep adding on, and if it was financially responsible, I would. If this drags on for another month and we get some more money, sure, and the stock is reasonably priced, I probably will add on after you know a couple weeks. Um, but right now, I'm done. You know, this is the other thing I want to talk about. My dad's birthday uh, was yesterday, and I, and I talked to him. And it's funny, we don't talk often about the stock every once in a while. You know, I'll give them updates on it because it's been down for a long time. And I told them, I was like, look, you know, I'm sorry that it's it's down. I gave them updates on like the share count. And I said, hey, that's that's promising. You know, it's really proving, you know, this is a verified number that this, this stock is shorted. So just hang in there. You know, our payday will come even if it's, you know, 1.5 billion shares. They're going to have to pay up, you know, a lot more than the, you know, 
they would normally have to do. So I, you know, kept, and he's like, you know, I'm, I wasn't going to, the money he invested, he didn't need. It was just sitting there. He doesn't need it. You know, who knows after a year, if it's still monkeying around like this, he might take it out, but he's good for now. And that felt good that, that he's okay. And he doesn't, you know, blame me for it or like, why did you, but I told him, I said, one of the things I was sorry for is like, I did not, I didn't know how corrupt the system was. Look, I get it. I know the 1% can do whatever they want. But I literally didn't realize, like, the same hedge fund that shorted this stock is the same people that can direct your order, control your order of the share, which could artificially keep the share level, the, 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 um, the stock price down. And they also control the secret back room where they can do all these deals. Now I know they're all separate companies and they can't coordinate with each other. Right. Sure. Sure they don't. Sure they don't. Um, and that's what I felt bad about. I didn't know that before when I started. And, uh, and I mean, I was aware like Robin Hood took away the buy button and all that baloney. But I figured, well, once we're in, we're in. And we're not going to be buying anymore when this thing starts ripping. And we were aware of that, so I thought, well, you know, just just do the best you can when it when it um, starts to rip, and do the best you can. I didn't realize how bad it was, but he was okay with that, and and uh, I felt good about that. So, the other thing is, you know, I it, this has created such a bad taste in my mouth for the stock market that in the beginning, in the first days, I thought, oh, maybe I'll be maybe I'll be a day trader. Yeah, this is fun you know, doubling your money in a few days, making more money in a day than you would do at your normal job in a week or a month or months. Um, And then, you know, obviously reality hit. And I'm at the point now, I want this play to happen. The money that I make, maybe will I, you know, I still have like my Disney 401k, which so I'm, I'm invested in the market and I'll probably keep those investments. And maybe if we make a lot of money, sure, I might buy a few stocks. But it's really just to let them sit. I want to go back to my old investing ways. You make your investment and you let it sit for several years. Um, but I think um, the majority of it, I want to put it in safe investments, whether it's government bonds, you know, gold, metals, or, you know, um, don't put it all back in the market because it it's left a pretty bad taste in my mouth. Um, but I want my life back. I don't want to be watching the ticker anymore. Um, and that's the other reason why I don't think I'm an addicted to AMC. I don't want to go through this again. I want to go through it once. I want to make that life-changing money. And then I want to go back to my life, as I'm sure maybe a lot of you do as well. Um, and then I'll look back on these days, kind of like the way some people look back on being in the Army that it was kind of a stressful time. You had a lot of different adjustments to your life. You know, I'm on the West Coast in the United States, so pre-market for us is 1 a.m. So sometimes if I've I've stayed up late, I might stay up a little later to see how pre-market goes. Or if I get to bed, you know, early and I wake up in the middle of the night, I go and I check on the market and I see how it's doing. And um, sometimes I would watch it till the market really opened in the morning. You know, it... uh, 6.30 6.30 a.m. for us and, and 9.30 East Coast time. Other times I would watch it and just go right back to bed. But I kind of want it to be like, you know, these are my old days in the Army. And that's what we had to do to get the job done. 
and the people that were invested in AMC with me, there will be like army buddies. You know, you might be in touch with people and um, you talk about the old days. And uh, I know I'm not, a, I'm not a, you know, an old veteran like the people that were there in January. Like the battle of, you know, eight dollars and one cent. That doesn't mean much to me. That was way before my time. I still don't. Um, but I remember the rip to seventy-two. I was there for that. And I was there when they drove it back down. And um, I was there for that. I was there for Chad. <laughs> there for Chad. I was there for the Ape Fest in, in Vegas and all of that baloney. But then I was also there for Timmy B. Timothy B's question. Are they going to do a dividend? And God bless you, Timothy B, for giving us hope. And something to um, reassure us that we did we made the right move. And hopefully this does work out. So I always say at this point in this series, hopefully the next episode will be the mother of all short squeezes. We'll be into it. We'll see how the next few days go. Um, We have Friday, and then Monday is the earnings call. So we'll see. I think I like doing these podcasts more frequently now. Um, So I'll probably do one a day, but we'll see. You know, we'll see, we'll see how things go. But uh, we'll find out where we are on the next episode of the AMC Stock Story.